Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Try it again. Whoever was praying, thank you. Pleasure to join you this morning. And if you're visiting with us, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you uh, for coming out with us this morning. Um, my wife Tonda and I just got back from the Vineyard uh, Global Family Conference. And uh, I can tell you I got way more than just this t-shirt. It was an absolutely fantastic time. Uh, it, people from vineyards in about 60 different countries, 4,000 people from all over the world came to Columbus, Ohio to worship together and hear teaching, and it was absolutely phenomenal. I lost track of how many different languages we worshipped in. I think it was like 12 or something. The first night alone, we worshipped in uh, Swahili, Mandarin Chinese, and English. And it was just, I mean, we were standing there, and, and Tim and Karen were here, and in front of us there were Kenyans dancing, and we're, we're singing in Swahili, and you hear different accents all around you. It was just, I think we have a clip. Dustin, Dustin was kind enough to pull this for me. Yes, which essentially means, Oh Father, receive all our praise. Then uh, we'll move from that to Pokea Sifa, just telling, just repeating the same thing. Pokea Sifa, so let's try that. Ewe Baba, Pokea Sifa, Ewe Baba, Ewe Baba. So, Chip, I expect us to all have that down by next week, right? <laughs> so it was just fantastic, and the speakers were great, and everything was going along awesome, and we hit the last day, and I got to tell you, uh, there was a pastor, he's from the Central Columbus, one of the, the sites of, of the Columbus Vineyard, and he got up, his name is Dr. Charles Montgomery, and uh, I almost don't have words. He brought a message on racial, racial reconciliation uh, that just, I mean, it blew the roof off the place. And Vineyard folks, we are going to talk about this one for a very long time. Uh, the next speaker got up, a man named Martin Buhlman, 
and he's uh, over the vineyards in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, and he graciously, he just tossed his notes. And if you've, if you've ever seen a vineyard conference, that's, you know, that's how it goes with vineyard. We just, we just go with what God's doing at the moment. And, and we started praying for people, and Phil Strout brought people from different delegations, up from the African delegation, and, and we apologized. But we as a church stood by and watched with slavery, and what we as a church have, have stood by and watched with race in this country, and then we brought Latinos up, and we apologized for, you know, things that, ignorant things that politicians say when they're running for office and, and policies and, and how we treat immigrants in this country, particularly Latinos, and it was just very powerful. I have never been in a place where the Holy Spirit was so busy as he was that morning. It was absolutely beautiful, and uh, we're going to talk about this for a long, long time, but... Um, we have a little bit of reconciliation work to do this morning as well. We are still in the book of Philippians. Yes, God. <laughs> we are still in the book of Philippians. And uh, we're going to start chapter 4 here. Paul's kind of bringing the letter to a close. And we're going to be in 4, 1 to 7. So if you want to turn over there in your Bibles with me. And uh, let's read this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters... For whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the boy of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, you do have some work. Uh, for us this morning. And so I ask that, uh, that Lord, as you, as, as you work this passage of Scripture into our hearts, Father, to breathe on it, make it alive, make it relevant to our life today, Lord, both, both here in our church and in our community, Father. Come and teach us, Lord, about your peace that transcends all understanding, Father. Help us to have some difficult conversations this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So before we start, can we do this? Can you guys stand up? I want to do something. I want to read this first verse together again because I kind of want to want to put us in a certain frame of mind before. And, and here we go. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, you can have a seat. I hope each and every one of you can look to your left and look to your right and say those words with some conviction. I hope this morning that you have some great friends in this church, or if, if this is your first time here, then welcome, <laughs> and, and we want to be friends with you. And I know there are many special and loving relationships here. Um, 
If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. People walk into a vineyard, into this vineyard, and they say, I just feel like I'm home. How many of you have said that? Just, I'm home. And so I hope you see how important that is to us, that how important it is that this is a safe place where you can be yourself. You know, we don't have to dress up. We don't have to put on masks. We don't have to do things. This is a place you can be yourself. And our unity is probably only second in importance to us to our pursuit of Christ because that's what I think really holds this church in particular together is we are just a group of people trying to follow after Jesus. Amen? And uh, I, I want you to know, too, is, you know, I, I got all crazy about the conference, and it was great, but I never really had one jealous moment up there in Columbus because, you know, yeah, was the worship music great? Absolutely. I think we just had some awesome worship music, huh? And were people hugging on each other, friends that hadn't seen each other in a while and praying for each other in every nook and cranny? Yeah, just like here on Sunday mornings. And it was, I think I took it as a word that it's just a bigger version of what God has in store for us here. Yeah, there were accents from all over the world, almost as many as I hear on Tuesday and Wednesday night down here in the cafe. You know, it's God's building a big, diverse thing here. And I think, you know, I and my wife and Tim and Karen, we were lucky enough to just see a bigger picture of it. Now, yes, there were 3,700 more people there. But, you know, eventually I think that's God's vision for here. And, you know, we do things together. That's what makes us, you know, different from like a social club, right? We try to do the work of Christ together and we do things like the cafe and we we do uh, reach out and go into our community and things. And it's, and it's only when we get that amount of diversity working together that you get what inevitably happens when you get a group of people together that sometimes aren't alike. And what happens? You get friction. And so your first, your first fill-in there today is the problem in this church in Philippi either is or is going to be some friction. And Seacoast, if we don't have friction, it means we're not doing anything. (laughs) So it kind of goes with the territory. But there's ways we can deal with it. And so what's going on at this church in Philippi is he's got two of his core team members. Yodi and Syntyche aren't just any two people in the church. These are people that probably helped Paul plant the church. This is core leadership, okay? This would be like if suddenly... um, I started to have a problem with Bruce, <laughs> all right, which I don't even know how that's possible. But um, it's, it's that kind of thing that's going on. And Paul walks in and says, hey, Yodia, Syntyche, I plead with each of you equally to be of the same mind in the Lord. And you think, okay, so these two people have, have a problem, right? You know, why, why does this get into Scripture? Can you imagine if every little personal interaction you had, somebody said, well, I'm going to write that down and read it out in a letter to the church. You know, I I think, A, we would all act a, a, a little bit differently. But what's going on here is kind of the point of the whole letter. This is really why Paul wrote this letter to the church is because this disunity, this discord, this disturbance threatens the very nature 
of the church. And that's what friction can do, is if we let it go, it can threaten the very nature of the church. So I think, you know, Paul's written everything. I used to have a, uh, a general manager when I worked at the Ritz who would talk along at the management, and then he would say, and I said all that to say this. And then he would talk along some more, and he'd say, I said all that to say this. I think that's what Paul is doing. He's, he's at that point in the letter where he says, listen, I talked to you about my humility in spreading the gospel. I talked to you about the humility of Christ taking human form, coming to the earth and humbling himself to death on a cross. I talked to you about humbling yourself as you receive the grace of salvation. And Philippian church, Philippian church, you're forgetting your humility. And that's the danger for all of us when we get something good going, right? Is we start to forget our humility. And I don't know what the exact thing is that Yodia and Syntyche are, are arguing over. Um, I do know that if it were a doctrinal issue, that Paul would have gone right at that. He did that in the last chapter, right? He said, um, you that want to add circumcision to salvation, you're evildoers, dogs, and mutilators of the flesh. So he kind of goes after these things directly, right? He doesn't mince words. And so we don't know what the exact problem is, so I think it's more of an attitude, right? And that's usually what causes problems with a sort of comparison, right? I don't like how that person leads worship. I don't like how that person teaches in Vine Kids. You know, I don't know about that guy. He kind of looks different. And it's all this comparison that has this inherent idea that I know a better way to do it, right? And that's where all this friction comes from. When we can't just enjoy somebody else's differences and we have to start comparing how we do it different. And of course, we do it better, right? And you know, the world looks at this kind of stuff and the world says, hey, come on, can't we just get along? You know, we got black people, we got white people, we got, you know, brown. But can't we all just get along? But as a follower of Jesus, we know that's not enough. That's not enough. We can't just get along. Because Jesus didn't just put up with us. Right? I mean, he didn't just put up with you and me. He enjoy, excuse me, enjoys us in spite of our differences. Paul, same guy that wrote the letter to the Philippians, writes in 2 Corinthians, he writes about, you know, a lot of you will know this part of it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old one has fallen away, right? We know that part, but you know what comes after that? What comes after that is in that we are given a ministry of reconciliation, we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And he says, now, take that reconciliation and give it to other people. The scripture even says that we are ambassadors for God on his behalf with that reconciliation. See, we can't just get along. We can't just get along. And that's hard. <laughs> that's, that's hard. I know that's hard. You know? But here's something that makes it a little bit easier. Paul doesn't say that we all have to walk and talk and think and act alike. 
That drives me nuts. When I hear religion get into something and we all have to act the same and we all have to look the same and, you know, your, your worth in the body of Christ has something to do with, you know, inverse proportion to how many tattoos and piercings you have it, or, or crazy things like that. Your worth to the body of Christ is you. It's not something else. And so Paul says, you know, you just have to have the same mind in Christ. And what does that mean? You go back to chapter 2. And it says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. See, we have to leave room for one another. We have to leave room for one another. Do you know what it means to be selfish? To be selfish means that you have to take up all the space in the relationship. You have to fill the entire space in the relationship. You have to be the one talking. You have to be the one that decides what we're going to do today. You have to set the standards. You get all of the perks. You take up all the space in the relationship. And Paul says, no. You just got to learn to be a little smaller. Just learn to be a little smaller. Leave room for other people. You can agree to disagree by just getting a little smaller, being a little more humble. We have to let the fact that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior be enough to hold us together. Can that be enough to hold us together? It should be more than enough to hold us together. Way more than enough to hold us together. And, and, and I ask you, church, what are we going to do when this place does get as crazy diverse as I think God wants it to be? You know, unity is easy when it's all a bunch of older white people. Right? Because we culturally don't do anything different that could cause friction very much with another person, right? And we can talk like we want to talk and say things, and everybody understands us, and we speak, speak the same language. That unity in that is easy. But what are we going to do when we have Russians worshiping beside Ukrainians? What are we going to do when we have Muslims from Afghanistan who've converted and are worshiping beside people who served in Afghanistan. God help us if we have people from upstate New York work, worshiping beside people from low country South Carolina. What will we do? <laughs> we got to figure that kind of stuff out, right? I think we can. I think we can. And I, I think, you know, how do we do it? How do we just kind of get over ourselves and get on with it? Paul reminds us, he says in verse 3, Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Your second fill-in, the solution is that we prefer. We prefer others. When two other people have a problem in this church, it is your problem too. Your problems are my problems. 
If it's between the two of us, I have to prefer the other person. If you are a partner with Paul, he says, a companion, a true companion, a member of the body of Christ, and you got to help people, you got to serve them. And so we come alongside, we don't, we don't get in front of them and, and say, come on, we're going this way. We don't get behind them and push going this way. We come alongside and we work with them and we serve with them. And how do you do that? Paul says there's four ways that we can do that. And the first one, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We rejoice. We celebrate what God is doing in this church, in each other. We celebrate it. We celebrate what God is doing in the church down the street. Because that's as much a part of the body of Christ as anything. We celebrate what God is doing through all of the body of Christ. If you have kids or you have a friend and you've ever had the joy of watching them at, at, say, a sporting event when they're young, you know, and you go, yes, great job. That doesn't, that's not hard for you, right? It's the same way. Paul says when you celebrate, actually when you celebrate somebody else, it does things in your brain that cause you to have more positive outlook on things and you stop seeing the problems. So he says we have to celebrate. The second thing is this. Paul says, let your gentleness be evident. Let your gentleness be evident. And that doesn't need any further translation, but I can tell you this, where that comes from. The word gentleness in there, when you translate it from the Greek, means kindness. But it's a special kind of kindness. It's the kindness you give when what you're supposed to do is retaliate. We might, we might say that that's mercy, right? When, when your response should be, to go back at the person, to retaliate, Paul says, let your kindness, let your gentleness be evident. That's not a problem for anybody, right? How many times, I, I, I can tell you, right? Right when you're about to, you know, tell somebody something about themselves that they don't know, Paul says, stop, just, just stop. Celebrate, be gentle. We have so, so very much to comment on in this country. You can hardly turn the TV on right now or have a conversation with people. We are having all kinds of serious conversations about people. And we are more than happy to have an opinion about this and an opinion about that and tell everyone around us, well, here's why you think is, is wrong. Here's why, how we should be doing this. Here's my opinion on this. I'm not saying we can't have opinions, folks. I'm not. But you've got to remember, for everything you say, you're saying against something else. Paul says, just be gentle. Be gentle. Take, take some of that bigness, some of that selfishness, and just shrink it a little bit. You don't have to say everything. 
You don't have to be right about everything. We're going to have some very, very difficult conversations, both in this church in the future and in this community in the future. And, and we're a little late to the start, and, but we're going to have to have them. And the way we're going to have to have them is not to be incendiary and not to insist that we're right and not to insist that, you know, you can't be a Christian if. It's, it's not going to be easy. We're going to get a lot. We're going to get it wrong. How about that? We are going to get a lot of it wrong. And we're just going to have to deal with it and let God take care of it. That's the only way we're going to get through a lot of this. Paul says the third thing is do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And you know, we need to hear that. Because this is how we get through those conversations. We don't have to be anxious and fearful that God is going to ask something of us that he's not going to be right there beside us to equip us to do. God's here this morning. If you're a follower, you carry the Holy Spirit inside you. God is inside you. And he's for you. He's not just for you. He's with you. And what does the scripture say? If God's for us, what can be against us? God's with you. You don't have to be anxious about any, any little thing. You can do what he asks you to do in bravery. You can, you know, let your gentleness be evident because it comes from him. When he's your source for that, you don't have to fear. You know, don't worry that he's comparing you to someone else. He's not up there going, well, you almost got that prayer right. I'd answered it, but, you know, you just, wrong word, again. No. When you're you and you're having that conversation with God, he hears you. He hears your heart. He doesn't hear, you know, the right words. He hears your heart for whatever you're praying about. And we don't have to worry that he's comparing us to somebody else. Have to worry. And you don't have to worry about how you measure up. You know, God's in this with us for the long haul. We don't have to get an A on the test right away. He's in this for eternity with us. And he knows. In fact, we've already failed and he gets that. So we don't have to worry about measuring up. But he's in it with us for the long haul. We've got eternity to work this thing out, right? Amen. And the fourth thing that Paul says is we can pray. We can pray with each other. I'll tell you, okay, one conference story. Last thing, we're leaving and going out the door, and I walk past this guy, and he's got a name tag on, and it says he's from Burkina Faso. Anybody know where Burkina Faso is? I didn't used to. I just like saying the name. <laughs> but a long time ago, I got fascinated with it, and it's on the northwest coast of Africa, and the, the region right now is just incredibly overrun with conflict. They are just reaping the benefits of what imperial um, colonialism has done and so it's a it's a kind of a violent place to be right now and it's never a great place to be a christian and so i asked this guy i said you're from burkina faso and he said yes and i said well can we pray with you and so we pulled him aside and 
And my wife and I prayed with him um, to, grow the, to grow the church there. And uh, I asked God to just use this man mightily. And, and, and if he would, you know, go back and, and, and be obedient to his call. And just let the Holy Spirit build the church in Burkina Faso. And we prayed for him when we got done. And he said, okay, okay, now, yes, <laughs> now I pray you. Okay, so in Burkina Faso, they speak French. Um, my high school French left a long time ago, and um, my, my knowledge is mostly confined to things executive chefs would yell at me in French, so... <laughs> But he prayed, and I can tell you what, I didn't understand many of the words he said, but man, it was powerful. I could feel it. I could feel it. And it was beautiful. And you know, when you pray with someone, especially someone that's different from you, and you don't understand, and you get with them and you say, God, just, just help me to see this person the way you see this person, Lord. Help me to have your eyes, Lord. Help me to hear them with your ears. It changes everything. It changes everything in that relationship. It changes everything in your relationship with God. You know, I say all the time, the, the, the biggest problem with human beings is we can't learn to see ourselves the way God sees us. And you can ask Him for, your, for His eyes. And when you, when you pray with someone else, Lord, I, I don't know why. I, I, I just can't get on the same page with this person, but would you show me what they look like? You know, every euodia that you have is the apple of God's eye too, just like you are. Every euodia that you know is a beloved child of his. And Syntyche, he values you no less. You're more precious to him than gems and gold. And when we pray with each other, we get to bring that, get to bring that out. You know, None of this church thing is real unless we do these kind of things, folks. Unless we get in there and get messy and mix it up and find the people that make us uncomfortable and find the people that we're different than and find the people that we don't like the way they do this and the way they do that and get with them and do the real thing and pray together. You know, God gives me a lot of grace. I think I can afford a little bit <laughs> for the people around me, I hope. So we rejoice, we let our gentleness be known, we don't have to be anxious, and we pray together. And when we love each other deeply and earnestly, that's when the church gets things done. That's when we move forward for God and do His will and get on His mission. And people come to the church and they get introduced to Jesus Christ and they learn to know Him and they get put in community and orphans get put in homes. All the things that the church can do. Because at the end of the day, if we aren't unified, nothing gets done for him. There is no person in here awesome enough. There is no outreach great enough. There is no small group cool enough to get anything done in this church if we aren't all in this together. We are so much better together. That's the conference theme. We're better together. There's a reason God put us together and built us up this way. 
And finally, your last fill-in is this. The payoff is peace. The payoff is peace. Paul says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Have you experienced that? Do you know somebody that's, that's like that? Where it doesn't matter what's going on around you, your circumstances aside, the whole world is going to hell right in front of you, and you're like, I'm okay with that. You're okay with not being okay, and you don't have words for it. I've been in rooms with people dying. I've been beside people as they got absolutely tragic of God to send on them in a way that I, you know, I probably should have words for. <laughs> but I don't have words for it. It says it transcends all understanding. You know, and, and I think the reason Paul may say this is because he's, in Philippi, they would have been used to this thing called the Pax Romana. It's, it's the... The Roman peace, it's kind of an enforced peace that says, you know, we're going to take control of the circumstances and that's how we're going to keep everything okay. But do you know anyone that can control all the circumstances in their life? I don't. You know, the peace of Christ comes in spite of your circumstances. And often when your circumstances are the absolute worst, Jesus says, I have peace for you. And that is a pretty cool thing. But do you see the end of that sentence? The promise that's there? Not only do we get this peace, it says, we'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we worship together, when we pray for each other, when we celebrate each other, it says the peace of God comes and builds like a little fortress around your mind and around your heart to keep it going, to keep it going, to protect you from anything that the enemy would want to do, to protect you from, from wanting anything else other than that peace. That's what I need. That's what I need. I need the power of Christ in my life to do that. Amen? All right. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.